a great delivery. Yes, he's got him. Warren's got a wicket in his first over. Magnificent delivery. It beat Adam. The hat-trick to Shane Warren. A great... There it is! Wicket number 700! And that's why he was named the king, the king of spin. This is the News Laundry Podcast, and you're listening to NL Playoffs. Hello and welcome to NL Playoffs. Uh, this is round 16 of the NL Playoffs. My name is Gautam. I have with me my co-host Aniket. Say hi. Hello world. Uh, this is uh, an un- unscheduled podcast recording. A couple of days ago, uh, we are recording this on March 7th. So on March 5th, I believe, uh, India time, uh, we got the news that uh, Shane Warne passed away. Untimely, uh, extremely untimely, extremely tragic. Uh, it kind of hit me out of the blue. I was just uh, doing my everyday work, Aniket, and then uh, the news kind of came through and it kind of hit me, uh, I must say, because I don't usually get flustered by any news, but for a solid 10 minutes or so, I was like I was a little flustered. So, uh, yeah, Shane Wan died at the age of 52 uh, in Thailand of a suspected heart attack is what the news is for now. Extremely, extremely charismatic character, wonderful, wonderful cricketer. We thought we'd just take some time to talk about his career, his life in the field, uh, on the field and more, and some off the field. But to do that, Aniket, we also have a special guest. Anand Vardhan is joining us from uh, News Laundry. He's a contributor from for News Laundry. Does not have an official designation as he was just talking to us before. Uh, Anand, welcome to the show again. Thank you. Thank you, Gautam, for having me here. So we, I thought we'd just use this episode as to kind of talk about how great uh, Shane Vaughan was on the field, uh, mostly because not just his craft, but just the way he carried himself on the field was something that you could not miss. So let's start here, Anand. So what what was your personal memory of Shane Vaughan? Because I was reading uh, one of your articles, I believe that you did when reviewing uh, uh, his autobiography for News Laundry. And you talk about how in 92, when he made his debut, uh, they were showing some highlights are not live broadcast on Doordarshan. In the air, Jones under it. That's the end of the innings. Shane Warne gets his first test wicket. And a superb double century by Ravi Shastri has ended. So what were your earliest memories of Shane Warne? So let me put it uh, like this. Uh, let me quote Wordsworth what he said about his reminiscences of French Revolution. That uh, please it was in that dawn to be alive, but to be young was very heaven. So I was not that young, but I was an adolescent then. And uh, I think uh, there was an element uh, of authenticity to him. Uh, he, uh, so if you say, transport him to today's times, you have an assembly line of, uh, virtue signaling, very, uh, say, camera-friendly and uh, talking sweet nothing athletes, great athletes, but uh, uh, not having a character and uh, an authentic character. So same one was, I think, uh, even if uh, in uh, uh, his moments of uh, notoriety, he was a character and uh, an authentic one and uh, he didn't uh, carry his uh, uh, greatness too seriously and he wore it very lightly on his shoulders and uh, that gave him 
uh, I think a box office element. Uh, he, in in even if he was overweight in his early days, he had this whole um, Hollywood looks with the blonde hair and this whole and the stories that went with it also added to the lure of Sinwan. Uh, so that was the non-cricketing aspect. Of course, his appeal was uh, uh, what he did with the cricket ball. Uh, and when the ball in my hand, I always believed that the next ball um, was something magic could happen and we could change the game. And that was special. You see, a measure of his greatness, you can have uh, uh, whims and fancies deciding favourite lists, but uh, if it is coming from wisdom, you have to take it a bit more seriously. And by the turn of the century, 2000, uh, one was at the half way stage of his 15 year career in international cricket. And he was named as one of the five greatest cricketers to have played the game in 20th century. And he was only seven year old in international cricket then. And so he had only played seven years of the, that century. So, uh, and he was the only specialist bowler named in that. It had uh, Sir Vivian Richards, who has his birthday today, coincidentally, and uh, Sir Donald Badman, Sir Jack Hobbs, and then these three were batsmen. And then there was uh, the all-rounder Sir Garfield Shrovers. And then there was Sin One. So uh, that was the measure of his impact on the cricketing imagination in 90s. And uh, also, I think it was also a generational thing. If you were in your backyard and trying to do something with the ball, you were trying your Sin One moment. In the, Twigs and that, and uh, so uh, my memory is that it was not the records for which a lot of great cricketers are remembered, but how he achieved it, how he achieved it. He, of course, he was the first spinner to touch the 700 mark, but uh, while doing so, what was the process? And the process was sheer artistry and uh, the things he could do with the ball, the variations, and you had that mind of a plotter always, that you, you were excited about something, what he, what he is up to. So uh, that all uh, added to the intrigue and um, it, coming from a spinner who is considered one of the least dramatic of characters uh, and uh, um, one thing I think whether people notice notice it not not the the kind of prodigal turn the kind of turn he got and then the very deceptive straight ones the wrong ones uh, what uh, in the subcontinent is called googly so uh, that he got you could actually if you were, were not uh, in the ground you could see the turn on the television also and because of the sheer amount of turn he got that was also visible to the millions of television viewers and that also added to the aura i, I think that was also a point yes 
Yeah, uh, he definitely had a sense of theater. Now you spoke briefly about stats, but it's not about stats with one because I mean he still had seven hundred and eight wickets at a bowling average of twenty five point four one. But the the just how he played, how he carried himself was just uh, must see TV. Uh, Aniket, what did you make of Shane Warne when you were growing up? So, like like every kid who'd seen cricket, uh, you know there are times that I've tried. imitating Shane Warne getting that leg spin out of the ball that I had held in my hand I think that's the story of any kid who played and I think that's what Warne did right no, literally everybody I know imitated Shane Warne's action literally every every cricket following friend I had I'm sure it was the same across countries and that's that's an ode to him cuz uh, before that uh, I mean I was not born my I was born when his career started but you know from my reading and from talking to people I understand that spinning was a defensive role like you know you never really had uh, spinners who actually came on for a purpose it was more to delay games and it was more of a defensive art and I think Shane Warne uh, revolutionized it now uh, one thing I wanted to add which both you and Anand spoke about was uh, his character was backed up by stats that's kind of how i see it like uh, the charismatic player he was uh, i think that would have come through anyways that's because of his personality but then that was backed by what he actually did on field with the ball in his hand i mean that's that's how i see it the interesting thing about it about him is that like every other australian uh, athlete back in the day i think it's probably still true to a certain extent is he played multiple disciplines so he was his his first love at least playing was uh, australian rules football he actually made it to the professional level and then got cut at once he got to the top and then he turned his focus to cricket uh, that probably explains some of his stockly uh, 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 body type but uh, kind of an inc- uh, incredible story with how they talk about he had some kind of a small deformity when he was young so he was using a lot of his hands to move and do his, do his other things so he has really really extremely strong shoulders which really helps him put revs on the ball and uh that shoulders and also i think he has really big fingers or some kind of strong fingers i shouldn't say big fingers but strong strong fingers that gets him uh to rip the ball through which is uh, an extremely extremely difficult art uh anand i know you mentioned this very briefly uh, and uh, aniket you spoke about this a little bit as well as he uh revolutionized leg spin but he also revived leg spin i was doing a li- just some basic research on and then let l- 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 and i'd love to get your thoughts on this is there are not many leg spinners going around in 92 so as if you lo- if you look at pre 92 so if you look at 60 years before 92 uh 1932 they had below riley the australians did uh there was subhash gupte for india in 1951 who made his debut and then beno made his debut in 1952 Uh, we had uh, Chandrasekhar B S Chandra, uh, 1964. There was Abdul Kader who made his debut in 1977. Uh, Kumble and Mushtaq Ahmed both made their debuts in 1990. So if you look at 60 years worth of uh, cricketing history before Shane Warne came onto the scene, the only notable leg spinners were six, about six or seven. That's about it. So is it mainly because you think it's just so hard? to master leg spin which i think is really hard to do it's probably one of the toughest uh, crafts to hone uh or uh, people it was not and uh, was it also because it was not that glamorous to be a leg spinner because if you're uh, thompson or a lily or a kapil dev it was good to be a fast bowler and also a great batsman like uh, gavaskar or bradman what do you think you uh, you are correct uh, i think you also you missed a name who had a brief career but uh, 
good career, though brief uh, Shiva Ramakrishna जेना so uh, after he got uh, pounding in his first outing in international cricket uh, in uh, against india in 92 he went back to tj and he was a leg spinner in for australia in 70s and he actually honed his skills on what to ball when to ball and this uh, two w's and uh, one uh, uh gives credit to tj for making him understand that what you are bowling and when you are bowling what you are bowling it's not just go and rip the ball but the plotter in warn the scheming warn was much of a work that was saved by tj and uh you see uh, you always uh, talk about how tough leg spin is uh uh and you were you rightly said that uh, like one of indian spinners sirnarendra hirwani so uh, he he was he was also a good turner he was a good turner of leg leg but what you say that it didn't have the bite but by the time it came to batsman it lost its bite gave too much time to batsman to either go back to back foot or plan his front foot play one at uh, his best is squeezed that time he squeezed it and the surprise element was too much to negotiate for uh, lesser batsmen even uh, the uh, better batsmen found it very difficult but for lesser batsmen that uh, is time squeeze was his uh, mastery and uh, uh, you talk about shoulder Uh, when he came to india in 1998 which indians uh, uh, remember as warm vanquest and that uh, just thumping one uh, yeah. actually he had come after a shoulder operation and when you see after 98 warm evolving in a different type because he had to make up for that shoulder injury and that uh, one of the uh say negative implications was that his wrong one that the googly lost its bite so he was more and more depending on his stock deliveries the leg leg rippers and the floaters but uh, uh, the googly lost its bite also in india you have to remember people are very much uh, fascinated with what tendulkar did to him but uh, you you have to appreciate that when tendulkar came out to bat it came it one had already been neutralized by openers and this, it was not that uh, indian openers were playing badly against him it was not that the one down batsman was playing badly against him it was not only that that tendulkar uh, mastered him other indian batsmen also did 
but they did in say brief patches so in 2004 if i remember correctly he did actually well but it was not well documented in indian cricket reporting actually one did well in 2004 in in india that's probably and because india lost the series and then one also got a 5 for 2 in that series but he did okay but then yeah you are right he did not get the 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 credit uh, that he deserved because india lost the series i, I think uh, i think uh, more than uh, uh, i am a bit uh, digressing more than if you have to say that among brian lara and sachin tendulkar i would credit lara of having neut- uh, neutralized him more because he didn't have the support of other batsmen but when sachin came out to bat against warren uh, he warren had already lost that edge to other into indian openers the first down batsman it was not that only tendulkar was playing well against him and and also not always not always in fact in australia there there you see batsmen can if you hit a four a six or a player over well you get credit but bowlers if you beat beat a batsman regularly you don't get that, that get that credit unless you dismiss him so uh, one did well against in brief, in spells against sachin in melbourne test in 2000 also also in the same chennai test in the first innings he got him out within four deliveries so it is not that uh, i am focusing on indians because indians say that we are an exceptional case against warren you were not always ex- an exceptional case against warren uh, that was uh, i i definitely agree with you because many people miss out uh, on the fact that in the chennai test tendulkar definitely got the better of him in the second innings but the first innings he definitely set him up he bowls a flighty delivery such in straight drives him to a, a four uh, pass mid off then plays a couple of balls and then goes for the expansive drive and then one just sucks him in. They just a beautiful flight of delivery and Mark Taylor takes a beautiful catch. Uh, but yes, to your point, it also doesn't help that India didn't play a lot of Shane Wan because he came in 92, uh, then 98 uh, Australians toured India uh, and then it was pretty much uh, 2000 Indians went to Australia again. The one was okay, but that was it. There was just three series because after that, uh, 2003 when australian sorry india toured australia uh they couldn't see a lot of one because i think he was injured he did not he was probably in that ban because he he did not play in that series um of course the cult of shane Wan, uh, uh right began with uh, uh what is now called as the ball of the century and there's videos dissecting that ball there is uh, articles dissecting that ball there are documentaries being made uh, about that ball and he's done it he started off with the most beautiful delivery. Garing has absolutely no idea what has happened to it. He still doesn't know. With the advent of YouTube, I don't know how many times I've watched that video, Aniket. Uh, just a, that just tells you how much of one it is because Anand spoke about how in, in his autobiography, uh, talking about that ball of the century, Juan says it was just a fluke in a way because he just yes, bowled the ball. Yes, he says it was it was fluke. It was cold, and I was nervous. <laughs> yeah, he said it was fluke. And he was nervous, but that del- that also just tells you about the natural ability of the man to just let the ball rip. The I I've seen that again last night. It's unbelievable how much he got 
uh, the ball to kind of swerve and dip in the air and then spin the amount that it did absolutely so one thing i wanted to add is that you know i i think this generation with the advent of youtube like you mentioned is lucky because uh, i was going through archives of shade one and there are so many of these uh, what you call master classes as called by the commentators left by him so he's you know talking there's one very nice one with rashid khan where both of them are like comparing their actions and what they do differently uh, and it turns out so i think one neat part uh, about shane one was like his was uh, built right he's spoken about how he practiced 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 and his variations came from one single grip right so he never really changed his grip whereas a lot of uh, different spinners used uh, different variations for different balls rashid khan being a classic example so with that being said the ball of the century like you mentioned was uh, i don't i i have no words to say cuz i was just listening to uh, a podcast about uh, you know the mike gatting who actually uh, got dismissed by that ball and the shock and awe so yeah i i, I don't know i'm just, i'm i don't know i'm feeling overwhelmed right now talking about shane one i'm the, yeah i'm sorry <laughs> i mean the, uh, the, it's it's just that uh, the the situation or the occasion where he got uh, getting out it was his first ball in england and it was the ashes and uh, getting's reaction uh, benno was amazing too on commentary he was he was like and he's done it and that was it he just has that pause and then says uh, he still can't figure it out he still doesn't know what happened to him so the whole the whole situation and the whole drama surrounding it was just beautiful but then the there were very similar balls that he did his uh, that he bowled so getting was just one of many uh there is the andrew strauss in uh, dismissal in 2005 where he just gets the ball uh, way outside the like uh, left hander's off stump almost it touches the uh, the edge of the pitch and then comes back hits the leg stump so do check out the dismissal of saeed anwar uh, there's andrew strauss of course and there's shivnar and chandapal so there is there is these three dismissals very very similar where he just bowls the ball way outside the left hander's off stump and just almost hits uh middle or or the leg stump just coming into the left hander because they didn't even have a clue i don't know what chandapol was trying to do he was trying to cut a ball <laughs> coming in so that was a little weird but straws and anwar were like they're playing per the ball the ball shouldn't have ripped or spun as much as he did so uh anand what what, what was i know ball of the century gets a lot of uh, uh credit and rightly so but do you have any other specific balls uh that Uh, you remember of Shane Warne as to how people uh, as to how he got him out, got other batsmen out. Yes, uh, just uh, first a brief comment on the ball of the century. So uh, actually, uh, as we all know, that uh, how good a ball looks uh, ultimately depends on how badly it was played. Well said. So you see that my getting was a good. player of his then coming from uh, coming from england and who are generally a bit uh, say jittery against his spin but he was a good player in fact in 87 world cup he he was so confident he he invented reverse sweep in uh, not say invented but uh, employed it uh, on a more regular basis and he, he was so confident with his fit movement and all that but what he says getting in recalling 
the moment that he th he picked that it was a leg break and he went half forward and it ripped quite beyond his ex expectations so uh, what you see here is important is not that he was deceived by the trajectory of the ball that it is not going to spin that way but how much it will so uh, that's important. That's important because uh, when you have a baller of wands variation, a lot of uh, dismissals you talk about and where batsmen were completely foxed, uh, uh, a lot of them would be because they didn't pick up the trajectory. They th might have thought mm -hmm. that it's a straight one. And when, uh, when they played for the straight one, they were made to look very, very foolish because... Uh, uh, because it was not a straight one and it ripped so much that they were uh, mm -hmm. looking very, very stupid on the screen. So, uh, but uh, the case with Gatting was different. He thought that it was a leg break and it, uh, but it was a leg break of a different world. So, uh, so that's what makes that ball uh, one said that uh, I was uh, getting had a conversation with one. I read it in the Telegraph, uh, the, the British Telegraph, the Daily Telegraph, they call it. So he said that uh, I just wanted to give it a rip. So uh, when you are nervous as a baller and uh, you are a spin baller and you don't know what to do, you just do away with her stock delivery and he did that so you had this Benot commentary but then you can say that getting didn't have a look at Warren before that ball and you have Strauss had a good look at him it was not that Strauss was facing Warren for the first time so after 15 years of the ball of the century you are having a, a left-hand batsman who had a good look for uh, at Warren. Yeah. Uh, he also had played the 2005 essays and uh, it this happened in 2007 and it was not that Warren was a new baller he was a superstar you have had played it and to get out uh, like that yeah. that made the 2007 dismissal a bit bit uh, more dramatic I think but yes uh, uh, the ball of the century was, and then you had that uh, Basitali dismissal mm -hmm. ball between the legs, and it was not the best of one deliveries. But the um, story behind it makes it more dramatic because Basit Ali, Ali was accused of annoying Australia with his uh, uh, interruptions, asking for gloves just when the ball mm -hmm. was going to be bowled. So before that, if you see the back story, Warren had a very long conversation with Jan Hilly in which uh, they were discussing dinner, that uh, wh uh, what is going to be dinner. They were just playing mind games and delaying it. And then he gets him, uh, and, and that was the last ball of the day. And he uh, bowls him between the legs. So uh, yes, there were there there could be many many more deliveries that you can talk about. And uh, 
uh, I think uh, the reapers get a lot of attention, but his his floaters, the deadly straight ones, which got him a lot of LBW decisions. And uh, um, they were particularly very important in his one day career. And uh, if you look at two of his most uh, impactful performances in one day, uh, on the biggest stage, uh, I don't know whether you remember or not, uh, but uh, it was the two World Cup semifinals, uh, 96 and 99. 96, 96 yeah. Mohali against West Indies, a low scoring game, 2,202 to a score. And uh, uh, West Indies uh, was cruising along. And then comes one and gets these quick wickets with flippers, with flippers, floaters, straight ones, deadly ones, getting like LBWs. And then, of course, the second World Cup semifinal you talk about in 1999. So uh, floaters, flippers, also we are very, very watchable deliveries coming from one's hands. Yes. Ah! Yes, he's bowled in. That was a flipper. Magnificent bowling from War. Stewart, who's been looking to go down the pitch, looking to cut. Hook, line and sinker. Uh, 100%. And also, uh, you, you, just going back to my gatting, the poor guy is remembered for two infamous things that he did. One was the reverse sweep in that World Cup final Anand in 1987 when he tried to reverse sweep uh, border and got caught. He still played well, but he's remembered for that. And then there's the ball of the century, which he's remembered for. Uh, uh, poor guy. Uh, uh, do you, uh, uh, Aniket, I'm sure you've been trawling through some of his archives. Uh, Rob Belinda, who's an amazing archivist, a cricket archivist on YouTube and Twitter. He's been putting up videos left, right and center over the last two or three days. Uh, any any particular balls that stand out to you, Aniket? So, uh, you know, uh, I, I don't remember who particularly said it, but uh, some somebody, is, I was listening to one commentator who said who had missed uh, a live uh, game. Uh, I think it was Australia or South Africa and he missed the day four. And then he, the only thing he said was that uh, the good thing about missing a uh, game from Shane Warne is that, you know, uh, something miraculous is always going to happen the next time he plays. So it was like that. It was one of those things where you always had, you know, something to do, something he did better than last time. And... A couple of things that I wanted to talk about was uh, one. So Anand uh, basically told about this is how his, uh, you know, ripping or spinning would surprise or it that was the element that would fox people. And he also alluded to the plot of, you know, the point of uh, uh, Shane one plotting or scheming. I thought that was uh, super interesting. Uh, uh, the way he thought about cricket as a spinner. Right. And uh, I think one of the finest uh, interviews one I saw of Shane one was he talks about how he didn't set his field and how he didn't want to be passive about reacting to batsmen. But he always thought about what shot he wanted the batsman to play. Right. And he he said that was his control on the game. And I think this comes to life in a very nice Big Bash League uh, incident where he's actually mic'd up. And I think Brendan McCullum is on strike and he basically calls, I think, three balls and he he basically tells what he's going to do and that's exactly what Brendan someone of Brendan McCullum's cal uh, caliber if you can basically control what the batsman is going to do I think that's what made one unique a he had the surprise element in his uh, spin in his wrist and b it was his mind that also uh, came on and I think he was extremely mentally strong so like it it was mentioned earlier 
there were times in the for example the 96 game and even the 99 game when Australia really needed him and there was time he there was a time he always showed up so i think his mind was another part that actually really fascinated me and uh, yeah it's wonderful you say that because there there are uh, two aspects as you said it is his craft itself but his mindset his scheming and plotting is uh, something that's uh, amazing now you sp- speak about big bash so that was in the late 2000s and i want to go back to 94 right there is just there just two dismissals that i want to talk about as to how he plots and schemes uh and how he used to set batsmen up sometimes you know he would actually let the batsmen score off of him get some boundaries just to make them feel comfortable and then suck suck them into a uh, uh like a killer ball so the first one is uh, when the south africans stood australia in 94 okay uh, daryl cullinan uh, who went on to become a fairly successful batsman daryl cullinan came in to that series with some pomp because there was this uh Uh, talk about Daryl Cullinan being like the next big South African batsman coming in. There are reports in the media about it. And the story goes that Shane Wan saw all of this in the media and he was like out to get him. So in 94, uh, there is uh, this sequence too. If you want to go look up uh, Daryl Cullinan, Shane Wan uh, flipper, I think it's what it's called. That's how I searched it. But there's the whole sequence of events leading up to that dismissal. Because oftentimes with Wan, the... the lead up to the dismissal was much more better than the wicket itself because you could see how he is thinking and he, how he is setting batsmen up uh, so there is a sequence where so he comes on the ball uh, immediately he bowls the flipper but he bowls a flipper that is very very noticeable right it was very obvious to anybody looking at naked eye so he bowls this flipper halfway down it was like a half tracker kalinan sees it immediately like anybody would and he just pulls it for a four now again richie benner was on commentary if you could you could actually uh, uh hear him say oh this is just a normal this is the obvious flipper he, he, he it is something that he's showing him okay so he gets gets a boundary and the next ball he flights one normal legs uh, normal leg spinner outside of spinning away cuts him for a four so this is these these two are his setup set setups right one is the flipper he showed him already so kalyan is thinking okay the flipper is out of the way i can read him now and then uh, he gets the leg spinner out of the way because he just balls an innocuous uh, leg spinner outside off stump and he just cuts it for a four and then the very next ball is when he bowls that wonderful flipper that only he can bowl right it is it is this is the not so obvious flipper it it is very very similar to where the ball pitched just before when it was a leg spinner so you could see kalin was thinking it is going to be another flight of delivery probably because he was setting up his his weight was still not nowhere near close to his front foot he was still kind of on his backward waiting for that flight of delivery and before he could even put the bat down the ball crashes into the stumps just i and and they show the replay too just how the how much he was flummoxed by the trajectory how much he was flummoxed by the pace of that ball is still amazing and as you said there's little change in action or little change in grip it's just um how he delivered that flipper was just a sucker ball and now after that uh, shane one got to kalnan's kalnan's head and he got him out uh, multiple times another similar instance is alex stewart uh, alex stewart when uh, uh, it was the ashes in 94 again again there is a sequence in uh, on utv you should check it out guys uh, he bowled uh, bowls a couple of leg spinners uh, one actually pads one away uh, sorry not one alex stewart one, pads one away sweeps one balls another uh, similar delivery to kalinan where he bowls a leg spinner sets batsman up uh, outside off stump alex stewart cuts him away for a four he's now i'm assuming feeling fairly confident and then the same ball comes in man 
the same flipper and he was again alex stewart was playing for the leg spinner he was ready to cut it before he could even again put his bat down his bat was horizontal <laughs> the ball crashes into off in middle so his mindset i think anand mentions it in his piece too is something that he's trained on as with with uh, terry jenner is not just uh it it it's not just what you bowl but also when you bowl what comes before what comes after right anand so that's what make him truly unique yes yes and uh, today's generation who have uh, known him only through youtube videos uh, have this advantage of not knowing the back stories of those deliveries so because you don't uh, get to watch the full stretch of uh, what was bowled and when so uh, you just see the magical delivery but uh, uh, what transpired before that you don't get the full thing so uh, you are right you are very very right in that uh, he plotted uh, a lot uh, also uh, sowing those seeds of doubt in batsman mind that that is very critical to spin bowling that you you uh, sow those seeds of doubt so particularly if you are a practitioner of spin bowling you know that and in playing the longer format that's also becomes more important and uh, also what added to his aura was the lyrical action so it was a, a very poetic thing to see and not just roll the arm kind of ball or or someone with very dramatic action like abdul qadir but uh, a very very lyrical the kind of say stump to stump bowling if you see glen magrath's action very poetic so if you are looking at a very very lyrical uh, leg spin bowling action sin one was the perfect template for that uh, and uh, all this thing uh, i think uh, fit into the classic aura of leg spin that he represented definitely uh, so he not only had uh, he, he had that mindset he had that sense of theater as you pointed out anand with basit ali and you are right again there is this wonderful clip of shane want talking about how uh, both him and healy were talking about what he was going what they were going to have for dinner because basit ali was just waiting for him uh, not only that aniket he had that sense of occasion too so we spoke about the 96 world cup semi final when he got all those important uh, west indies west indian wickets of, of flippers and sliders but when moving on to the next world cup in 99 uh, again south africa were cruising uh, and then uh, out walks uh, uh, shane one and gets all those crucial wickets up front i'm sure you've watched those highlights It's a wonderful delivery from Shane Warne. That's absolutely exactly what the Australians needed. Ah! Got him. Well, two quick wickets for Australia, both to this man. Oh, no! Straight to slip. He's got him. Great little catch. Beautifully bowled by Shane Warne. This game is coming alive. In the air. Yeah! Got him. He's out. Clisner's gone. Shane Warne has struck. Unbelievable. 
unbelievable scenes here. That is an unbelievable wicket. This now will put uh, a lot of pressure on the South Africans. Yeah, so uh, actually I did. And uh, the reason was because I stumbled on one of uh, ones on Ricky Ponting's interview, right? So he talks about uh, the trouble Australia were in. And I think this was after uh, one's passing away. So uh, he basically, I think Australia, uh, South Africa were about 51 or 52 in about 11 overs. And at yeah. the, the cruising, right, this is like back in the day, which is uh, scoring six runs per over. It's uh, pretty comfortable for the batsman for no loss. And he gives the ball to Vaughn. And Vaughn, I think, uh, in one of his interviews, says his first reaction is, are you kidding me? Because this was the 11th over. And then he comes in and he basically takes Herschel Gibbs, Gary Kirsten, Hansi Kronia, and Jack Callis in the game, right? So he's got the big four of the team. Uh, and again, like each of them in a different way. So he's basically, uh, I don't know if you, if I, I, I've not gone into his mind to analyze, but I'm pretty sure he's, you know, studied and there is plotting scheme because all of them go in like different, uh, he bowls very differently to each one. So you can see that in his game as well. So yeah, and uh, this is one of those times, I think memorable times when he actually rose to the occasion. So, is that his evolution as a one-day baller? So, uh, one thing again, Indians uh, are very, uh, you can say, just thumping about in 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 '92-'93. You remember Vinod Kambli once got 26 runs of a one over, so at Sarja. So uh, it was a time when one was not very sure about how to manage his variations in one day games. So it was a crucial point. India had to score some runs to qualify for the final. I think that was the match situation. And Kambli got those 26 runs. He hit two, three, sixes, two, one, two, fours. And uh, it was... Uh, mm, a very critical phase in his one-day career once, and uh, there were critics who said that he is a very he could be a very useful one-day baller too, but he is not managing his variations. He gradually learned that that uh, in one-day cricket you could not uh, always get uh, the wickets with the balls that you get in Test cricket. So also you will have to bowl a bit differently. He had all the arsenal for the one-day cricket, but what again? What to put when? He learned gradually, and by mid '90s, he was doing far far better in one-day cricket. The match that uh, Aniket was talking about, I remember in the pre-match uh, discussion on in, in that match, there was Martin Crow, the great Kiwi batsman, and who is no more and Sunil Gavaskar and Alan Border. So they were doing a pre-match show and they were asked to pick one player who would be most impactful in the match. And all of them all, uh, picked different players. And coincidentally, all three players had impact on the game. So Crow picked uh, one and uh, Gavaskar picked Jack Callis, who incidentally did very well. He 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 was uh, um, 
uh, he put South Africa almost at the doorstep of victory. He got out at 51-52. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at the scorecard right now, Anand. 53 of 92 balls. Yes, yeah. he, he, he had... So it was the lowest scoring game and that was a very crucial contribution. He had his impact, 53. And if he had stayed a bit longer, the scene would be have been different. So Kelly's all... all, all also had that impact and the third player was of course Klusner. so uh, Klusner, or uh, so that that was uh, um, Klusner was a uh, border speak so all these players had uh aniket uh, pointed uh, and he remembers correctly that uh, um, he bowled differently to different batsmen and um, the ball with he, which he got Callis, the most crucial wicket, I think he got him caught in the slip. And he, 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 you can fact check, I am just speaking. I think that, that was Cronier. Cronier, Cronier got, Cronier got it. Yeah. Okay, Cronier got a uh, 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 Callis, how he got it? Uh, Callis chipped one to short cover, Steve caught it. Steve wide of the stumps. Bold white of the stumps, which no, it, it was, was a bit of a slider. He was trying. It was Cronier. Yeah, Cronier. Yeah, it was Cronier. He kind of edged it to slip. Yes, uh, allegedly an edge to slip. Okay, and uh, other wicket was uh, Herschel Gibbs. One was he, he pitched outside leg. Uh, Gibbs didn't get to the pitch of the ball, and he totally missed. He was trying to flick it, and then he totally missed the ball, and it clipped top of off. And then the other one was uh, Gary Kirsten trying to sweep, slog sweep one over mid-wicket and he gets bowled through the gate. And what were the, his eventual figures? It was the lowest scoring so, game, so it would be economical. Yeah. So, so Australia made 213. So, Shane Wan comes in, uh, 10 overs, 4 for 29, 4 maidens. 4 maidens. <laughs> and his, uh, in the same tournament, his uh, figures in the final against uh, the miserable Pakistani batting side, which folded up for 125 or 130, I think, uh, was also very good. He got uh, Izaz Ahmad and a few other batsmen uh, final. Yeah, so I'm looking at the final 99 World Cup final score card again, Anand, uh, which again is a testament to his sense of occasion. 4 for 33, 9 overs, 1 maiden. It's So it's quite amazing. Now, uh, they talk about, um, I was listening to this podcast uh, uh, with Jared Kimber is one of my favorite cricket writers. He has a podcast. I was talking to one of the other. Uh, his guest was at the World Cup uh, semi-final in uh, uh, in England. So they were talking about how how much fired up Shane Warne was to that moment when he came on to bowl in that twelfth or the thirteenth over. Now, apparently he was just he was he was so full of energy, so full of adrenaline that he was breathing fire. Is what he, what the guest kind of told because. As you as both of you pointed out, they were cruising. Uh, there was no way South, uh, South Africa should have lost that match, given the situation of the game, uh, the target they had. But then Juan comes in, just bowls so such tight lines and such attacking lines. Uh, as soon as uh, Gibbs got out, he could you could just see him all fired up, just shouting, "Come on, come on!" And then next over, of course, he gets uh, back to back wickets of uh, Kirsten and Cronier. Uh, Amazing, amazing sense of occasion. He was he never shirked or moved away from any challenge. Uh, his uh, one-day figures don't seem very noticeable out front, but if you look at it, he has 
played 194 ODIs, 293 wickets at an average of 25, so which is really, really decent. So you uh, you really can't, uh, I mean, if you are a, a, a one-day player in the 90s and the 2000s, I think that's a very decent record. But then the main thing above anything else, as both of you guys pointed out, is that when Australia needed him, uh, he delivered in the big ODIs because even in 96, there was no way uh, Australia should have played that final, but for Shane Wan. Uh, in 99, uh, which is now, in my opinion, takes second place to the 2019 World Cup final because that's there was another tie there. But the semi-final is one of the all-time best matches. There was no way Australia should have been in that position if Juan was not bowling the way he did. So, amazing, amazing sense of occasion that he had. Uh, quick point of correction, Anand, based uh, just uh, on your comments earlier on Strauss. The Strauss dismissal was in 2005. It was the Ashes in 2005. Uh, and then uh, England went to Australia in 2006 and got whitewashed. Uh, 2005, okay. that famous Ashes series was... Uh, no, when, I uh, got, got uh, confused because you, I think his 700 wicket was also a Strauss in, in 2007. That's right. Yes, I that got right. confused with that dismissal. Yeah. Yes. That yeah, was yeah. in Australia. Correct. Yeah, that was the 700 where he's trying to flick it. Again, again, another great sense of occasion. But then even transpired that he had to get a 700 wicket at his home ground in the MCG. Mm. Just the energy of that uh, wicket and how he was celebrating and how much that meant to him was uh, something to behold. Now, uh, Aniket, I want to ask you about one of your favorite tournaments, which is the IPL. Now, the uh, Indian Premier League came in... Is this really uh, your uh, favorite tournament? No, I was just being sarcastic. Tell, tell us how much you like IPL, Aniket. Uh, yeah, I, I often say that it should be stopped. So, <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I love the IPL. But the, the personal personally, I've, I've always said, uh, and Aniket knows this, is my, my favorite team is Rajasthan Royals. I follow, I love Rajasthan Royals because they're the underdogs and they don't have a lot of money to spend typically. Uh, well, so, uh, favorite team to follow is Rajasthan Royals for me. But in 2008, Rajasthan Royals was, was barely noticeable to anybody. It was all the big shots. It was Mumbai. It was Bangalore. Uh, it was, uh, to an extent, it was Kolkata. Nobody even thought Rajasthan had a, ch- a chance. But I don't, I've, I'm yet to go into the uh, back room. I've yet to read a story about what actually transpired before uh, the team was formed in 2008 in the inaugural uh, edition of the IPL. But Rajasthan decided, quite brilliantly if you now think about it, to make him the captain coach. And then that was a team throughout that, I remember throughout that uh, edition of the IPL, that was a team after Shane Wan's image. You could see the way they were. all of the, all of the other players were following him, following his instructions, the way uh, he was... Guiding all of these young players, he still calls uh, Ravinder Jadeja a rock star. Uh, it, ever since he saw him in 2008, Yusuf Pathan, uh, he had a big impact on. Uh, just the way he carried himself on the field, his captaincy, uh, how he would uh, set the fields, how he would guide the youngsters on the field. I remember this one occasion, it was in 2008, I think, when uh, Rajasthan were in a formidable position. It was they were pretty much coasting at this point. The win was inevitable. Uh, Rajasthan was bowling. Uh, the other team was chasing to get to a target which they had no chance by now. And he was still on on their bowlers and on 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 all of their fielders, uh, telling them to just you know 
cut their legs off cut their legs off you you should they shouldn't they sh- you should just put put the throat on their necks and just crush them you know you could actually see him making those gestures to chop their legs off uh, such was his spirit and such was his uh, uh his his brain as to how competitive he was uh i know you have some notes on uh, rajasthan anike do you remember anything about rajasthan in 2008 Oh yeah yeah I that was my first IPL I was naive I was super excited it was everybody's And, first IPL <laughs> yeah so <laughs> that's true but no actually one of the things I I remember about that IPL uh, coincidentally is one's captaincy right the way he took that because they had no right winning that uh, IPL uh, just given how everything was so like you said there was Mumbai Indians there was also KKR that time so they were also a pretty good uh, yeah. team I suppose and I was cheering obviously for Deccan Chargers that time So uh yeah and this leads to one of my questions right because we spoke about this we spoke aspects of his game so he was uh he always showed up right we've we've spoken about this he showed up and Australia needed him the most he was very good with his uh skill he had a great mind he was aggressive so and in my head keeping aside his off field antics he was a missed captain for Australia right for some reason that I think that never worked out or turned out but what i learned through his ipl journey was that this man was actually a very good captain and a good leader on uh, on the field right so that was my limited uh, learning seeing uh, uh, shane wan in the ipl for sure it is a big what if uh, as to his captaincy with australia uh, anand points it out and i wanted to ask you this as well anand it was it was a natural progression i th- i felt probably in the australian selectors mind from border to taylor to war to ponting now if he had a window to become a captain it would have been after uh, steve war retired in 2003 but then it was at the 2003 was the height of wan's infamous uh getting caught with des- testing positive not getting caught i must say testing positive with drugs in 2003 world cup so that was hanging around his neck as well because he was the vice captain to steve war uh but then you know ricky ponting was waiting on the in the wings and then one was probably too radioactive shall we say uh for uh, the australian selectors to make him captain anand don't you think yeah i think there are a lot of vice captains which who will never become captain so uh, and one was one of them he, uh, i don't think australian selectors uh, had it in their mind to make him captain at any point uh, regardless of the incidents that you talked about so uh, there there are reasons for that but i will come to that before that to one quick point on rajasthan royals so we um, talked about uh, his tactics and this and flim on also the aggressive flamboyance also at uh, display on ground but uh, he was um, from the days of tj be, uh, beneath all this flamboyance and uh, aggression was also a very uh, you can say a disciplinary disciplinarian uh, he, he was very very disciplined in certain aspects of training of uh, um how to put resources and how to work uh, in a very teamwork kind of format so if in his ba- uh, autobiography he, he has mentioned about few incidents uh, uh, when he was at the helm of affairs in Rajasthan Royal so one is uh, now uh, this may embarrass mohammed kaif now 
but uh, uh, when the team was uh, uh, accommodated in a five-star hotel, so Mohammed Kaif, uh, being uh, one of the former India test players, so he expected a single room for himself. And then one comes and he says that only captain gets single room. You are as good as any other player in the team. So uh, the, um, the I think this element of cutting down on superstardom because it was the first IPL. Lot of teams were filled with lot of superstars, and he wanted to, to put together a team which was a group of equals. So uh, that also worked for him. And there has to be only one commander, and that was he. Others are all equals. The other teams in the first IPL, just like in the initial stages of World Cup football, found, found it difficult to gel well as a team. And uh, one ensured that with uh, less uh, famed players, less stalwarts, he could get it. He could uh, make it work uh, as a team more. And apart from St. Watson, uh, or, or there were other, and then, then there were Pakistani players also. That was the first time, Suhail Tanvir. And Suhail Tanvir, yeah. So you didn't have uh, and the excess of star power in Rajasthan Royals. So, uh, and the one was the biggest one, of course, but uh, uh, then, and that worked for him, that worked for him. And later the teams gradually realized it and the coordination aspect among stars from different parts of the world was put in place in later uh, editions of IPL by other teams. So that was also a learning lesson that how to put together a team. So, uh, second, you are talking about the captaincy bit. Uh, the 2003 World Cup incident, um, again, what, according to his explanation, he didn't take the drug. It was a medicine for some cold or flu that his mother gave and which had some banned substances which you inadvertently take. So uh, that is what he puts out in his autobiography. And, but he had to pay... Uh, he was not a very establishment man in that sense, and that could uh, uh, rub the cricket board the wrong way. Uh, he, in his autobiography, he uh, is uh, very dismissive of many Australian stalwarts, even Adam Gilchrist and Steve Waugh, for uh, laying too much emphasis on the baggy green. So that uh, uh, sleeping with the baggy green days. He said that, yes, I am proud to be Australian and part of Australian team, but uh, that is not what all I am. So uh, I am uh, also an individual player going to express my craft. And uh, also I have other aspects of life. So you don't need to from morning to night sing baggy green, baggy green. So uh, that was a personality, a kind of authentic kind of personality that could not have fit into the scheme of things of uh, team leadership, maybe as the Australian cricket board saw it. Second thing is, uh, there is also a very conservative opinion about uh, ballers being captain. 
So uh, in Australia, England, just like in India and other subcontinental countries, people have reservations about uh, giving captaincy to bowlers, even if they are as great as St. Vaughan or other bowlers, even Australian bowl bowlers like uh, Lily Thompson, or they, they may be greater than the many of their contemporary, let's say, but uh, um, contemporary players. So uh, there is also this uh, getting a bowling captain is not uh, very easy for any national team. Yes. Yeah, uh, that that definitely played into. Uh, I'm pretty sure what was what could have been a very interesting choice if if Shane Wan was. Uh, the captain. Uh, we we did speak about some a few controversies here and there, but he there is one thing. Even when his uh, he got he got involved in the whole match fixing thing with Salim Malik. There was a 2003 testing positive for drugs. There's a whole bunch of off the field stuff with his uh, with his uh, affairs that he kind of lived out in his public life. He was not a very uh, private guy in that sense because he was box office on the field and off the field there is something that that is something that you couldn't you know uh, he had that entertainment value with him good or bad uh, everything came with what one was because the good on the field came with came with one and also the bad off the field came with one so uh, you could never really miss uh, what he was doing even when he was away from the the cricketing uh, stadiums either uh, there was uh, there is this other aspect to this, and, and I saw uh, Aniket put something down here. Is uh, people actually didn't? I don't know if he got enough credit, but when he was batting, right, especially in the 2005 Ashes, that Ashes was was the Shane One Ashes in a lot of ways because England ended up winning it. It was con- it is still considered and rightfully so one of the best uh, Test series that uh, probably any any team any two teams have has ever played, but that series was as much a Shane one series not just because he got 40 wickets in that series which is incredible but he was good with the bat also uh, so he, he was not he, he was a he was a decent batsman Aniket but unfortunately he fell one shot of a century his highest score was 99 that's right and uh, it turns out that uh, I don't know how far this is true maybe Anand can let us know but uh, I in one of the interviews uh, uh, of Shane one he says that if Australia had actually won that particular uh, ashes he would have actually retired because he believed in leaving at the top so uh, and this i'm quoting from one of his uh, interviews i think it's sky sports i think he uh, said this and then i think eventually that happened uh, i think the year after uh, after. 2007 2007 i believe yeah so yeah, and like you said, so he was good to the bat and he also holds the, I think, uh, I read this in The Guardian that uh, even though his average is only 17.3, uh, he has the record for most test runs without a century, you know, and like you said, 99 being uh, the closest he got. So, yeah. There is this really fascinating moment when um, at the Oval, Kumle got a century against England. <laughs> uh, so, uh, when he was when he was about to make his century, he had a commentary. Rick, 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 Rick. He said <laughs> yes. that Chris Temlet should bounce him out. So, <laughs> yeah, he was he was actually texting back and forth with Ian Chapel, who was on commentary at that time, and Chapel was kind of goading him into asking, "Oh, it looks like he's going to get past you, your fellow like spinning friend." Uh, he goes, "No, there's no way he's going to get past 99. There's no way he's going to get to a century." And Kumble in in the end, it was a great innings, but uh, Kumble in the end kind of comically gets to a century because he was he would have been out 
easily stumped but somehow he get he squeezes one through under his bat and through the wicket keeper's legs to get a century but yeah he he was in equal measure a really good batsman too i speak about that ashes because he was really good with the bat uh, there was one or two innings that he played uh which which you know tells you about his uh, th- there is another note that i made it says never quit attitude uh with the bat and with the ball uh so uh, the controversy son did come with what he was wasn't he he could really not miss him yeah the, in the same innings uh, what i was talking about chris temlet chris temlet was his teammate in the county that he played for hampshire so uh, chris temlet was one of the bowlers in the english side uh, against india when when kumble got that 100 so uh, he was telling that uh, i i was wishing that chris temlet uh, employed more bounces against kumble so he had this uh, healthy banter uh, so also one With aspect we miss uh, is that uh, despite his bulk and at times he lost weight also but uh, for most part of his career he was a bulky figure even if he was a stout so uh, uh, for all that he, he was a good slip fielder and to stand in slips uh, against uh, the pace battery of magra gillespie and uh, he didn't miss many so uh, and he actually grabbed quite a few good catches if you see so uh, the very fact that uh, as a spin bowler he was um, thought uh, fit enough to be placed in slips uh, it, it was a testament that the trust people had in his slip, slip catching abilities so uh, that we miss uh, because he played long and to, to be a slip fielder for that long is actually a reflection of the trust the team has in you so uh, also um, about uh, his batting ability the, the rajasthan royals that final also the final also he bit, uh, hit those winning four runs i think in in last uh, two three crucial overs he was at, at, at there i think uh, you can check again fact check i am just speaking out of memory he was there i think uh, he played some nice cameos uh, in that moment also yes yeah and and uh, quickly on his uh, 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 his controversies anand you really uh, i don't know if he he probably liked some of the media attention it is probably okay to say he he would make uh, he would often make these statements that you know would get a good headline uh, he had some a uh, stuff with aliens that always makes makes some headlines there is the whole uh, his dating uh, liz, liz hurley uh, i mean it is it is probably a serious relationship but then the tabloid i'm sure did not help uh, with what he did either right see there are two sides of war which are uh, mutually not very reconcilable but he starts off and ends as a family man but the mid life the mid page of 2030 years tells a different story if you read his autobiography he has a very strong sense of family history and uh, he talks about his uh, grandparents who were actually immigrants from poland to australia and uh, uh, then his father the uh, he talks about his parents with lot of uh, 
uh, for, uh, means uh, the kind of affection that uh, a very uh, a strong family man can have. Then he talks about his children. And he had this regret that uh, he married uh, too early. He married too early in his life and he was not very, um, he get, got carried away with initial flush of love and he was not well settled in his career also. And then of course, all those uh, means uh, temptations that comes with uh, uh, being a superstar at an at a young age that came and he had a say a spot for good life and uh, sometimes there were also sometimes when he was tricked into some kind of uh, scandals like uh, um, I cite as uh, one famous example that uh, British tabloids carried now he was called by two, three British men, uh, oh, sorry, uh, British girls in uh, London. And they were, had met him at a party and they called him uh, for a late night get together. And then they got physical and clicked few photographs and uh, they actually did it for money and uh, sold it to British tabloids. And the next day, the British tabloids were having these headlines, the leggy goats gets uh, to bed or something like that. So, uh, of course, uh, he, the, the external side of uh, many of his uh, doings had a different impact and uh, it had took its toll on its uh, on his marriage and he eventually got uh, divorced but in last two three years he was rebuilding his bonds with his uh, ex-wife and his son and uh, two other uh, children got very close to him and they were staying together so uh, that's why I say in the beginning, you see uh, a strong sense of family in him and towards the end of his life. But it, and uh, in the mid phase, you see him drifting to different temptations. Uh, also, the Elizabeth Hurley thing, uh, it was uh, not like it, it didn't work according to one because it was a long distance um, relationship. They got close in London, but... Um, uh, Elizabeth was uh, keen on working in New York in films and uh, he had to go after every two weeks to New York and uh, beyond one or two years it didn't work. Yeah, no, that's very interesting because uh, so uh, I mean uh, in my head at least uh, I followed uh, Shane Wan I was a kid so I, I only kept track of what actually happened on the pitch and later on obviously learned that uh, you know there were these associations he had for various reasons and i firmly believe i think every human uh, is you know no one's black or white everyone here has uh, aspects of life once you pick out and i typically expect that once you become a public life uh, public figure sorry and your life gets into public uh, you know these things come out but what i've always envied actually and this is totally going tangential to what you're talking but I wanted to make this point anyways, is that um, as a kid, I always wanted, uh, I always loved 
being a wicket keeper and uh, throughout watching one bowl i always envied adam gilchrist's position just cuz i think he had the best seat in the house uh, to see uh, how one bowled and yeah that was uh something i always as as i remember like you asked me if memories do i have of shane one and it goes back to uh you know being behind the stumps and just seeing this uh person let it rip oh man yeah adam adam gilchrist i think in his uh, uh tribute tweet to one he said uh, uh, how how in a way he was happy and also how other people might have been might have been jealous to uh jealous on both Gilchrist and Healy that they got the best seats on the field because uh yeah his tweet reads have often felt a tad selfish that Heels and I pretty much exclusively are the only ones who had the thrill and the pleasure at test level to be able to keep with uh, Shane Warne and also of course him saying bowling shine that was just uh, you know every 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 kid did that on the field when we were playing doesn't matter where we were playing it could have been on the street or it could have been at the ground every every kid it was if if it was a good ball they would say bowling shine which was which tells you the mark of the man uh just uh, uh, once he retired he be- he went he went on to become a, a cricket commentator just one of his many avatars because he also did a lot of golf he did a lot of poker too uh, aniket which is which is very interesting i uh, actually went and played poker seriously but i think as a commentator ar- around the cricket uh, right he was he was really good especially uh, i was listening to uh, michael atherton talk about uh, uh, after after shane one's passing about one and then how he was a really good color commentator which means he was really good number 2 not a play by play caller but a number 2 kind of who is responsible for the analysis of what's going on he was really he was really good he would his his best stints in commentary was when he was talking about uh, strategies and what needs to happen now and what a captain is thinking at this stage or what a bowler is thinking at this stage with the field placements or the way he's bowling and so on that that's where he really really thrived when he was talking about strategy and field positions and mindsets more than anything else of course often he would go a little over the top and uh, you know when he was talking about the people showing up at the at the at the stadium and he would often say you know there are like 30000 minimum when you could make out there was like 10000 people on there maybe so he was he was really into he was grandstanding for sure but this uh, he uh, he often thrived when speaking about cricket and cricket strategies uh, anand why did you make of his commentary or be it channel line or be it with sky and also be it with uh, the bcci when he came over he was a star commentator uh, you uh, some of his comments on how uh, this thing is going to play out and co uh, it may be coincident that some of the dismissals worked out that way and um, on twitter there are if you see there are some tweets saying that uh, warn predicted this i would not say predicted but uh, he just uh, foresaw certain things uh, that could be done in a certain way and if it was done in a certain way it yielded a particular set of results so uh, that was uh, also and uh, also he didn't over speak that was a good thing because commentators especially if you were a superstar and you think that you know more than others you tend to over speak on things i think he was economical also and uh, economical went to speak and went to not so as number two speak uh, commentator you see 
that uh, you are assisting the lead commentator who is uh, broadly responsible for the affairs of the ground, the whole thing that is going on. So as a, a strategic backup, and uh, he, he was good at that. Also, he was very grateful to the um, kind of uh, broadcasting economy that changed with uh, Kerry Baker. So it is fashionable for cricketers to be critical of how the pure thing has been destroyed by Kerry Baker, Channel 9 in Australia. But he was not. In fact, he writes two, three pages in praise of Kerry Baker, Channel 9, how it made uh, careers lucrative for you know, whole generations of cricketers. And uh, the uh, not only on ground, but also the um, uh, off-field careers like uh, broadcasting. And um, he gets very emotional also when he was going to switch from Channel 9 to a new contract with the Sky Sports. So uh, uh, these are aspects. And he took uh, his broadcasting career um, seriously. He did his homework. It was not that he woke up in the morning and went to the, uh, to the commentary box. And he talks about the homework that he did the um, background of players and the contest that is there on the ground. So, yes. Uh, uh, to your uh, earlier, I was looking at the, IP, uh, the IPL 2008 final, Anand. Sh uh, Shane one was at the crease, but he was at the non-striker okay. center. So, he'll turn where he did. How much did Shane one win? Uh, he, how, he made, how much he, did he uh, score? Yeah, he made nine runs. He had a boundary. Hit a boundary. That boundary, perhaps I remember that. Yeah, he, he hit a boundary, a nine nine of nine. Sohail Tanvir had, uh, Lakshmipati Balaji was bowling. Man, that seems like forever ago. Yeah, I remember he bowled a short ball and Sohail Tanvir pulled. Because if you remember, it was one one needed of one, one ball, I think. They needed a run of the final ball and Sohail Tanvir got it. But, uh, I mean, we can keep going on and on because there are too many Shane Wan uh, moments that I can recollect or, or looking at the archives. But, uh, uh, we should probably uh, end this with some parting comments. Aniket, what do you what do you think you would most remember Shane won by? And also, if you have any passing uh, uh, recommendations or literature or videos of Shane won related content, that would be great. So there are two things I remember him uh, most of. One was his uh, flamboyance, like just being that uh, flamboyant leg spinner. Which I thought was very rare. I maybe I was uh, I just started watching cricket. So I didn't know, but I never saw a leg a spinner. You know, uh, some uh, stand out. You'd see that cockiness with the uh, pacers and and uh, you know, uh, streamline mainline pacers. But I saw that in a spinner, and that I found I was fascinated as a kid, right? Uh, otherwise, I I don't know. Maybe it was just me, but I thought spinners were more coy. Came, did their job, and left. But he was so flamboyant. The other thing was, uh, I also noticed uh, later on probably, is his aggression as a spinner. So these are the two things uh, that always stood out because everything else uh, I think we've covered. You know, we've spoken about various aspects of his uh, <laughs> game, uh, you know, and uh, skill set, mindset, everything. But I think these two things uh, set him apart uh, for his time. 
So I wanted to recommend uh, two things. One was uh, just a gallery of pictures. It's by The Guardian where uh, it says Shane Warne, A Life in Pictures. So it's just interesting where all uh, these memorable moments of his life are captured. And I think uh, most fans have seen these pictures, but it was very nicely put and it, it you know, evokes a sense of, uh, I don't know, nostalgia when you look at these uh, pictures. So that's one of them. And the other one uh, I mentioned was, I've already mentioned is... Uh, a lot of masterclasses available by Shane Warne. And this is what I've been doing for the last two days. I think YouTube uh, saw me searching one of these and then the recommendations kept pouring in. So one was with Rashid Khan, uh, where they basically talk about the craft, like uh, Anand said. I think that's one really nice thing I liked about Shane Warne. He spoke a lot about uh, his the work he's put in and how people can actually... So if you are an aspiring spinner or someone, you can actually watch and get something out of these uh, videos. So... You can go on down that line and obviously uh, Rajasthan Royals has their uh, YouTube channel which I didn't know. I came to know because uh, YouTube recommended it and in that he's talking to kids who are uh, in the team uh, and basically you can just go watch any of those videos. I think they'll be fun. They're in the training sessions and you can see what one was like behind the uh, scenes. No, I am happy Absolutely. that Tanikit talked about it. Actually, beneath all that flamboyance box of his appeal, he was a very, very hard trainer disciplinarian and a lot of hard work went behind all that um, he some uh, casually put it like uh, uh, I liked loud music I smoked I drank and bowled a little bit of leg spin that is how uh, self-evasive he was but uh, um, he tried to be modest at what he did but uh, he uh, tj again the role of tj taught him a lot of discipline and that, that uh, went into how he did it anand any shenwan literature or videos related content that you'd like to share I'm, I'm going to personally plug your two pieces for news laundry so don't plug those because leave those for me but any other uh shenwan related content that you'd like to plug I usually don't plug. I don't. I know that nobody reads. So, uh, <laughs> so I do. So, uh, uh, Me too. Anyway, so uh, you see, I, I would. Uh, I have uh, cited a lot of uh, things from his autobiography. Why? Why don't uh, hear from horse's mouth himself? So uh, his autobiography should be read. It is also one of the better autobiographies to have come from cricketing fraternity because they are mostly very guarded autobiographies like of Sachin Tendulkar and and, uh, and uh, it's not a very guarded one. I think uh, one of the better autobiographies from the Indian cricket fraternity is, is by Sanjay Manjrekar. Uh, and uh, in uh, in world cricket, I think uh, one has written it adds value. It means uh, like Manzrekar and ones. What autobiography is so it also uh, somehow adheres to the golden rule that George George Orwell had set out for autobiographies that an autobiography. Need not needs not to be trusted if it does not reveal something disgraceful about the author. So uh, uh, that that is in ample measure in both autobiographies. And once and once is useful for the enthusiasts of the game as well as young spinners because he gives a lot of insights of what 
he did and how he did and how he trained, what he was actually trying to do, that actually helps. Not that uh, just uh, reminiscences your, your glory and your journey, but not giving insights in your craft. He gives a lot of insights. I think one third of the book is about the insights into his craft. And that is educational for young spinners. Uh, uh, so that is also a very short uh, piece by one of the co-authors, uh, uh, not co-authors, actually he is the author, Mark Nicholas is good with the words, so Saint Juan in a lot of sittings uh, told each and everything, actually the autobiography was written by his friend and uh, former English cricketer Mark Nicholas. So Mark Nicholas has written an obit uh, for Crick Info. Uh, on one, you can read that. So these two recommendations. Yeah, uh, I'm going to uh, recommend a few recommendations here. So the the first two would be what Anand wrote for News Laundry. He reviewed uh, Shane Wan's autobiography that he just spoke about on News Laundry. Uh, there is an obituary for Shane Wan on News Laundry as well. So do, do check that out as to what his legacy was. He also touches upon his uh, his his not just the the bright side but also some of the dark sides as well. So do check that out. I'm also going to recommend um, Jared Kimber's article. It's called Three Balls of Magic: The Shane Wan Surprise. Uh, he has a uh, uh, an article as well as a video illustration of the same thing. So do do check those out. Um, uh, I'm also going to to end this with uh, Gideon Hay, who's a really good cricket writer from Australia again. Uh, who uh, I'm just going to quote uh, one of his lines from uh, his tribute to Shane Wan after he uh, after he died, which was uh, he said he has departed while the memory of him is fresh and green, and while the consensus remains that no, there will never be another one. One was quite extraordinary enough. So that kind of encapsulates what Shane Wan, uh, how he led his life, how he how he played the game uh, to kind of follow him. Uh, throughout these years has been uh, an unbelievable joy especially when he was playing he was just box office entertainment just to watch him play just to watch him uh, take plot scheme all of these wickets and just to watch him carry himself on the field was uh, something to behold um, so I'm uh, my plan and I think uh, we, we I'll leave uh, we should leave the listeners with uh, we haven't talked really about his sledging so we'll leave uh, with some of Shane Wan's sledging where Andrew Strauss, again in that 2005 series, talks about how he was trying to go have a go at Shane Wan when he was batting against Ashley Giles and how Shane Wan took care of him. So we'll uh, play this clip out for our listeners. Second last night, I came out to bat and Ashley Giles was bowling into the rough out here and I sort of went to block one and hit me in the pad. Catch! Feeling at City Point, I thought I've got to say something to him. I said... Come on, Jarlo, he's really struggling against you here. And I sort of just stopped and said, Straussy, you're kidding yourself, mate. It's these two eyes turned to me and went, mate, there's only one guy struggling around here. It's you, you fucking shit. <laughs> he then turned around to me again and said, listen, mate, you say another word to me and I'll hit the next ball for six. And I went, all right then. Come on, Jarlo, he's really struggling against you here. Six, what a shot. Bang, over square leg for six. You gonna say it again, mate? Yeah, a tremendous, tremendous loss to uh, international cricket and to just cricket in general. Uh, we've, there's no doubt that we've lost, uh, we've lost Shane one too soon at the age of 52. But uh, 
you know we had dealt with that and there is this incredible archive of uh, Shane Wan uh, material available to us uh, through literature through videos so we i mean any Shane Wan video is just a superb entertainment so we should uh, we should definitely catch that out if you can uh, thanks to uh, producer Jude who produced this he, he by the way had a really good tribute on our uh, group chat when he said he lost part of his childhood so uh, he that there is this sense of loss among the cricketing community to have uh, to lose Shane one at such an early early age so uh, thanks to producer Jude for producing this uh, thank you Anand again for joining us uh, it was a little unscheduled but thanks for coming and sharing your insights with us thank you thank you thanks again for tolerating my fumbling ways of speaking I'm not that fluent but thanks for your all tolerance no 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 yeah your insights are always helpful for sure it's an absolute pleasure to pick your mind actually yeah uh, do subscribe to news laundry guys uh, go go to the newslaundry.com uh, page click on that subscribe button we are uh, news is getting close to finishing up its election coverage in uh, up so there is still uh, the news laundry sena project open so if you want to top it up that would be great but in general just go check out newslaundry.com and hit that subscribe button pay to keep news free <laughs> there you go pay to keep news free and uh, we'll catch you again later All the News Laundry podcasts are available on Stitcher, iTunes and any other podcast platform. Please subscribe to News Laundry. Help us keep news independent. To catch all our podcasts on news, pop culture, current affairs and sport, visit newslaundry.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram and subscribe to our YouTube channel.